This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Kim Reynolds of Dogman.com with Chris Fetters, Scott Eklund, Polynesian Bowl this past weekend, big junior day, lots of student athletes on campus, a few official visits. Nick Rolovich rolls into town and puts out on social media to come join him for a beer. Will that impact Washington recruiting? Lots to cover today. We'll focus on a lot of what's going on in recruiting, Scott. First of all, there was a big turnout at junior day at the basketball game and What's kind of funny is uh, we had some tickets for the basketball game. And what were they? Six rows in back of you the entire game? Uh, Maybe a few more than that. But, yeah, they were pretty darn close. I mean, from a recruiting standpoint, your tickets, the tickets that we had, couldn't have been set up any better. It was almost like, all right, we're going to put – Scott right here and just parade the players right by him. So yeah, they just basically walked right by you. Yeah, it was it was pretty funny uh, to see everybody come in, and it's really hard because some of these kids know me because a lot of them are local. So they're like, "Hey, Scott," and they want to stop and chat, and I, I have to tell them, "No, I can't talk to you while you're here." So uh, we'll wait till later. <laughs> so, yeah, we're, it's Washington, not Alabama. We can't do that. Yeah, where they take photos of the kids before the games, right on the field. Yeah, yeah, yeah totally different. Yeah. Yeah, we don't get to do that, but uh, big turnout. Any notable names there, Scott? Oh, yeah. I mean, well, there was JT Tui Malau, the number one player in the country from Eastside Catholic, defensive tackle prospect. Emeka Egbuka, the number one athlete in the country uh, from Stillicum. He was there as well. David Ayuli, the offensive lineman from uh, Puyallup, who's going to be a three, high three, low four-star guy. Malik Agbo is a guy with an offer from the University of Washington. He's a Beamer kid. Um, there were a couple other guys that got offered on campus. That was Josh Connerly, the uh, offensive line, defensive line. They're recruiting him as an offensive lineman out of uh, Rainier Beach, uh, 2022 kid. Really, really talented kid. Reminds me a lot of Josh Garnett at the same age. I'm not saying he's going to be just as good, but he's got that same skill set. Uh, Steven Ortiz, a cornerback out of Desert Edge in Arizona, got an offer. And um, I keep screwing up. Uh, is it Delvin Burke? I think is his name. He's a cornerback uh, athlete prospect out of Saguaro High School. So those are the three that got offers. But there was quite a few. Junior Alexander was there. Sam Hewitt. All those guys were in town, and it was or in town in in the house, and it was a good time for all of them. Brandon Jumper, um, Kate Otten's little brother. I always forget his name. Um, yeah, not Brandon Jumper. Kate. Kate uh, Jumper. Jumper. Yeah. Brandon Jumper's son, but. Um, by the way, Caden Jumper, tight end or linebacker? Um, see, that's the thing. I, I think it's still yet to be determined. Washington has had him in the tight end meeting room. Uh, he got to meet with uh, Coach Cato and spend some time and, and go through the offense and how Washington uses their tight ends. My personal opinion is I think he's going to be a better edge rush guy uh, because he's pretty athletic and, and a guy who can really – um, get after the quarterback from the edge, but he's got that length. He's about 6'3", 6'4", 
Um, I want to say he's in the 220, 230-pound range. I saw him on Sunday at the uh, FSP, or I'm, well, at, with FSP at the Pylon 7-on-7 seven seven tournament uh, that they were taking part in. So uh, a lot of good, uh, a lot of good uh, guys on campus and a lot of good players to choose from. They haven't offered either Otten's brother or um, or Jumper at this point. So still a lot, a lot of things to be determined on that front. Official visitors who was on officials this weekend? There weren't any official visits. I thought there were. Okay. No, no, no official visits. The next official visits are this coming weekend, and that's going to be a boatload of walk-on kind of guys, um, as well as uh, one guy that uh, is an official visitor as a uh, not uncommitted scholarship player, and that is Tanoa Togiai. He's a defensive lineman out of Rigby High School over there in Idaho. And then the other guys uh, who will be on campus who are scholarship players, but they're already committed and signed, are Mark Redman and uh, Ethan Garbers. Those two have not taken their official visits yet, so they'll be on campus as well. Current numbers, they have how many committed? So they have, okay, so Washington signed 22 back in December. Every kid who was committed signed in December. And then they also have Jordan Lolohea, who is um, – he was a signee from the, I think it was 2017 class, I think is what it was. And he took his mission, so he didn't show up until January. So that's he's, his scholarship counts toward the 2020 recruiting class. So technically, they have 23 guys who are enrolling this year. Um, I'm, I think they're hoping to add at least two more. Uh, Tanoa Togiai is one. And then Jack Yeary, the tight end out of, what is it, Vista Murrieta, I think is where he's out of. Down in um, California, he's a tight end prospect, one of the top guys, uh, really fastest risers in the country at the tight end spot. He's He was committed to USC for a while. He's down to USC, Oregon, and UCLA at this point, maybe Arizona State as well. Technically, I mean, we're looking at two guys that they're recruiting, but my gut tells me that there's somebody out there that nobody knows about that could jump on uh on uh, the radar here pretty quick. I, I just find it hard to believe that there's only two guys on their board. Oh, my, mine too. I think there's probably two or three guys that we either haven't learned about yet or just haven't mentioned um, that uh, are possibilities. But at this point in time, the two guys I think that are at the top of their board that they would like to bring in if they can get them is Jack Gary and Tanoa Togiai. And Chris, one of the big changes with recruiting, and we saw it um, on Saturday, Justin Glenn elevated to, um, well, you, whatever you want to call it. Basically, he's running recruiting. We've known Justin for a long time. I thought, think it's just a fantastic move having somebody not only that's local but played here, has a passion for it, and Justin is a really, really smart, engaging guy. Huge upgrade. Uh, I, sh- I don't know if I want to call it an upgrade, but a uh, huge opportunity for Justin Glenn moving into that position with UW, and you've known Justin for a long time, Chris. Yeah, absolutely. I've known him since he was playing at Kamiak High School and uh, know his dad, James, really well. Um, yeah, very engaging people. Um, love Washington. Obviously, you know, Justin played at Washington, takes it very seriously. And I think it's also interesting that when you look at kind of the revamped coaching staff, at least the the titles, I mean, there were some titles moved around. Like, you know, uh, Kaika Malloy is now a co-defensive coordinator with Pete Kwiatkowski, who's now back to being the head coordinator. But you know, Keith Bonifal was always the running backs coach and the recruiting coordinator. Now he's just the now he's just the running backs coach. So I think that's putting more on Justin Glenn's plate, and he may end up being like a full blown 
kind of director of recruiting, recruiting coordinator, whatever the label is you want to put on it. So, uh, you know, what Justin, what he's going to add to that mix is going to be incredibly important, and it's clear that Jimmy's going to really rely on him heavily to get the job done. And just an idea of what that job entails, you know, Chris, back in the day, uh, Chuck Heater was the recruiting coordinator on the coaching staff, and he coordinated a lot of the recruiting, and they had one gal, Claudine, Miss Claudine, but Claudine was in the office, and that was about it, covering recruiting. Now I think there's between six and eight full-time employees, and they've probably got 10 students uh, you know, doing internships there, and there's probably 20 people that are running recruiting. Justin's going to be coordinating and running all of that. He's basically the head of that department, so he'll be coordinating the social media, all the letters, the visits, setting everything up, and uh, there's a lot more involved than just going out and recruiting. He's got to coordinate everything. Smart kid, um, big-time academics coming out of Kamiak, and I think that uh, it's going to be a good addition. And one of the things that we kept on hearing about Cooper Pataga, um, who uh, had that position, was uh, Jimmy was looking for somebody with a little bit more of an outgoing personality. Cooper, from everything I've heard, was really good at what he did. But he was more of that, I don't know if engineering mentality is right, but he was more of that behind-the-scenes X's and O's guy that didn't really like to be out in front. And Jimmy was looking for somebody to be a little bit more out front. And word has it that Mr. Patagia went to Oregon. So I don't know what really, really that means. But uh, how many – Scott, when it comes down to it, I mean, is Washington really re, um, competing with Oregon for that many guys? I, I would say yes now. I mean, you're going to see them compete – quite a bit for the same for the same guys much more so than they have been in the past few years i mean i would say out of oh 20 or so uh, what did they sign they signed 22 this year and i would say they probably were about half that were serious about oregon at one point or another and washington won out i would say that oregon has a good five or six that are that were serious about washington so one of the things about Oregon is they're going to go national quite a bit now, and they're trying to just – their brand is a national brand. Like it or not, because of Nike's influence, because of their affiliation with the Oregon uh, football program and, and association, let's put it that way, the association that the public makes of Oregon with Nike, um, they're going to be a national brand. So they're going to be recruiting guys from all over the country, whereas Washington will focus on Texas and then on the Pac-12 footprint and Hawaii a little bit. And uh, you'll, you might see Washington Venture here and there into other states, but for the most part, it's Texas and then all of the western region states from the Rockies west and then Hawaii. So um, you'll see Washington and Oregon compete, but not like uh, they would for if Washington was a national brand. They might be recruiting, they might be recruiting against each other for every, every player. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Chris, you got a chance to uh, head over to the Poly Bowl. There was some underclassmen there as well as uh, a couple of guys that have preferred walk-on offers from University of Washington. Uh, tell me a little bit about the um, – did you – I can't remember his name. Is it Mickey P.I.? Mickey Pay. No, it's Mickey Pay. He's, um, he's uh, the son of a player who actually played 
at Washington in the kind of mid nineties. And it was interesting because I asked a bunch of either coaches on the islands or Washington fans when we had a meetup uh, this last Thursday, kind of if they remember the history of Mecky Pay. And, um, you know, it's just uh, no one could really remember when, you know, he was going, you know, kind of what his story was in terms of why he ended up quitting at Washington. But needless to say, Mecky Pay is a kid from Iolani. He's a kid who had two interceptions during the Polynesian Bowl, ended up being the defensive MVP, and he does have a preferred walk-on offer at Washington. So if he ends up taking that offer, this would be back-to-back years for Washington taking the defensive MVP of the Polynesian Bowl because last year they took Daniel Haymuli. So it could be a real coup for them. Um, Mickey, does he have other offers out there? I can't remember. No, not that we're aware of. None. No, and... and, um, uh, Blair Angulo did a story or talked to Mickey Pay before the game. So uh, look for a story uh, from Blair on Mickey and kind of what he thinks. But he's already put a crystal ball out for Washington, so he obviously thinks they're in a good shape. And just maybe give us a little bit of a scouting report. What would you see? What would you think? You had a chance to talk to him? Just, you know, give us an overall, uh, give us a lowdown on Mickey Pay. Yeah, I didn't get a chance to talk to him post-game because I was trying to track down some coaches. But... Um, you know, from what I saw during the game, very instinctual. Um, not the biggest kid in the world. It's interesting. They had him playing corner, but it sure feels like the, he has the game of a safety at the college level. Kind of more of a ball hawk. Not the biggest kid out there, but again, very instinctual. Had a couple great interceptions. Did give one up kind of over the top. So he has maybe not necessarily the physical gifts you would expect to see of a player that was being scholarshiped for instance, at Washington. And I think that's probably the reason why uh, he's being looked at initially as a walk-on. He could probably get bigger, faster, stronger, for sure, in the right uh, strength and conditioning program like he would under Tim Saha. But all the other kind of football IQ stuff that you'd like to see, he had that in spades. I mean, again, uh, the second interception he had was pure instinct, uh, playing off a guy and then just kind of read the quarterback's eyes and went right to it. And then... um, but again, you know, you've got to you've got to make sure he can get bigger, faster, stronger at the next level to be an instant guy. But he was playing, in my opinion, a little bit out of position in the game, playing corner where I think he's more of a probably a free safety. Give us a report on uh, Mark Redmond. That's a guy that uh, I'm really looking forward to. Could be another in the long line of uh, really good tight ends at UW. Yeah, I mean, I think, uh, you know, you look at Mark Redmond's stats in the game, and obviously they weren't uh, overwhelming. He had one catch for uh, one yard, and and I think he was only maybe even targeted twice, and the other pass was pretty much over his head, which is saying something when he's pretty close to 6'6", and, you know, 240, 240-plus. But got a chance to talk to him, obviously, during the week. Really engaging kid, funny guy, um, really fun to talk to. I'm going to have, obviously, some stories out on him. And, Scott, I will have a story out on him before he takes his visit this weekend. He talked a little bit about kind of what he's looking for and all that kind of stuff. Still signed, obviously, so it's not that big a deal. But he did talk a little bit about the visit. Yeah, um, one of the other guys that a lot of people are really interested with, he showed up a little bit late, and that's Miles Morale. Give us a little bit of what you saw in Miles. Well, I mean, I don't know what there's not to love about Miles Morale. Again, yeah, he came in on Thursday and he and he played um, basically like a possession and a half. Uh, he got uh, he helped uh, Team Malka to get into the red zone on their second scoring drive, 
and then I think he either kind of felt his ankle tweak a little, or he just felt something, and he just decided to take himself out and didn't play the rest of the game. Uh, certainly erroring, erroring on the side of caution. But um, And I can't remember how much he played. It seemed like he played a lot in the All-American Bowl in San Antonio with Roger Rosengarten on that same line. so He, he um, definitely did. Yeah, so I'm, I'm wondering if maybe it was a little sore because he clearly hadn't played a lot since the end of their season. So, I, again, um, didn't get a chance to talk to Miles after the game, but did talk to his offensive line coach, uh, Dennis Wilbex, who, ironically enough, coached Rosengarten on the offensive line for Team Mackay, who was the other team. So he didn't coach Miles Morale in that game. But boy, he had um, you know good things to say, obviously about Miles. But if you just watched him, he didn't even get out of second gear, guys. I mean, he just was mauling players. And if you looked at, like for instance, if you saw some of the runs that the quarterbacks had, kind of right through the middle, if they stepped up and through the line and just went for 10, 15, 20 yards, you're talking about Sol J Mayava, the kid from BYU who ended up being the offensive MVP of the game. You're looking at DJ uh, Uwangalele, the quarterback who's going to Clemson. You look at um, even uh, Robbie Ashford, the quarterback going to Oregon. All those guys had some some big runs, and a lot of it was just Miles Morale clearing out his guy and just opening up this Mack truck-sized holes for guys. So, you know, he, he did his job, and again, another guy kind of playing out of position a little bit because he was playing right guard, the same position he played in the All-American Bowl. But he's he's penciled in as, as a guy who's going to compete directly for that center spot uh, come the fall. It looks like Luke, Luke Wattenberg is a guy that they, they really want to see what he can do inside there. But uh, all indications, and again, talking to Miles, he's very confident. He thinks he can compete and win that job this fall. What's the uh, eye test? Does he? Um, what did he weigh in at? Height and weight? He, they, they didn't give us a height and weight, but I mean, he was listed at six two, I think three twelve or something like that on the official Go Huskies roster. That looked probably about right to me. Um, he's not a very tall kid. I mean, he kind of reminds me of what Nick Harris looked like this year, but as a true freshman. So um, there, there's a lot of crossover in those guys' games. They're very tenacious. They do have you know, some, some, some injury history with their legs, and, and that's going to be a real key thing that the, the Huskies and, their, and that coaching staff and Scott Huff are going to be really, really vigilant on because that ankle and leg injury – that Miles Morales suffered suffered as a junior was pretty catastrophic. I mean, it it cost him his entire year, and it took a long time for him to get back. So they have to be really careful on making sure that they they give him enough reps during the spring to get him really geared up for the fall. But at the same time, they they can't overextend him because it's clear that he's still not. I don't know if he's favoring it, but you you remember that time if you ever got hurt and you were. You were in that in that kind of limbo moment where you really weren't trusting it. Once he starts to trust it, then it'll be completely out of his mind. But at this point right now, it's clear he doesn't quite trust the leg and the ankle. And and so once he, he has to get over that. But once he does, he'll be just fine. Give us an idea of Romu Dunsey, the wide receiver uh, out of Utah. A lot of people excited to see what he can he can do. Give us a scouting report and what you saw out of him. 
Well, Rome's from Vegas. Um, I thought he was from Utah, sorry. No, 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 no. He's from Vegas. And he's the other teammate of Miles Morale that played for Team Malka, the team that won the game with uh, with Steve Spurrier. So I actually talked to, to Coach Spurrier after the game about Rome, and he loved his attitude. Loved, he just he was willing to do whatever it took to, to win the game. And he had a couple nice catches. I think he had two catches for like 18 yards, something like that in the game. And they had a, some high-powered guys in that game. I mean, they had uh, DeMond Demas, who's going to Texas A&M, who had a couple touchdowns. Uh, A.J. Henning going to Michigan, the running back. Um, they also had, um, gosh, I can't remember what his name, but uh, the kid, Ryan, uh, Dijon Ryan Stribling, who had a big, huge catch uh, near the end of the game or in the second half. Um, but I'll tell you what, Roma Dunze came up with a huge catch on Malka's final drive that gave them the touchdown and it ultimately won them the game. So um, I thought he he had a great week, showed a lot of energy, was really fun, had a number of uh, backflips, front flips, um, you know, showed he was one of the, the the Washington guys that actually showed kind of some outward swag. You know, you look at morale. Morale is totally all about business. He even told me he goes, "Hey, I'm here. It's a business trip. I want I wanted to come and have some fun. It's Hawaii. I've never been here before." But a guy like Roma Dunzi, he's the one that kind of shows the swag a little bit, and so it was kind of fun to watch that. Um, Sam Adams is a guy who is. Um rehabbing from some uh, shoulder issues he was there for a little bit and took off uh, anything on sam that you can share yeah he came in i believe on wednesday and then he stayed for the game so he was there with dj rogers his teammate at eastside catholic and aiden hector another eastside catholic guy and aiden was the one who played um of the three because dj rogers he had like either an acl or some some knee issue that he got cleaned up as well and he's go he's uh, going to Cal, he signed with Cal, but then obviously um, with Sam, he was having some lingering shoulder things, and I believe these were things that were kind of ongoing, even as right at the beginning of the year, he was having issues with them. So he kind of gutted out this entire season, and I think that offers up some insight as to maybe why his running numbers weren't as huge as maybe some of these other guys that are getting recruited out there. And then he also played both ways, so he was a real big key for Eastside Catholic defensively too. So got a chance to talk to Sam for a while on Wednesday. Super nice kid. I mean, obviously um, comes from a big, big football family with his dad and his grandfather, um, obviously being big uh, fixtures in the NFL. So it was good to kind of get his perspective on being the kind of the next in line. Um, you know, obviously can't really say too much about because he didn't do anything on the field at the Polynesian Bowl. But I think everyone kind of saw what he did at the at the um, at the All American game and what have you because he had uh, surgery right after that. He had the surgery basically a week before he went to the Polynesian Bowl. Who else am I missing, Chris? Well, those are the the the, the two, we talked about the, the the two kids from Team Malka, uh, Team Mackay. They had the the other offensive lineman, Roger Rosengarten. And then um, the well, actually we talked about the tight end. We talked about Mark Redmond, but um, Roger Rosengarten. I mean, to me, I was it was he was probably the one kid that impressed me the most in terms of maybe what I didn't know about him. Yeah, I'd seen the film, and you you could tell what he was doing at the high school level at Colorado, but seeing him in person, I mean, they put him out on an island at left tackle, and he looked completely at ease. He never got overwhelmed once during the game that I saw, at least live. I haven't watched the replay yet. I taped it, so I'm going to go through that this week. 
but he looked completely comfortable, um, handled guys in the run and pass really, really well. And I, I kind of had an inkling that he was going to have a really good game from the start because I remember they didn't, first of all, guys, they didn't wear pads all week until the final, final day of practice. And even then it was kind of just a walkthrough. So that was really unusual. But even in the in the non-padded practices, they did have some one-on-ones where they weren't really going 100%, but they were going pretty close. And Rosengarten, as well as Morale, those guys were finishing plays. So if they were able to take a, a guy to the ground, they were pushing him. And then they'd step, in, and then they wouldn't let him up. Um, hey Chris, so I, I think the one question people had on Rosengarten was size. He, um, and his profiles and everything, he seems a little bit light. But uh, tell me what you thought size-wise and what kind of frame he has and the ability to put on weight. Well, he looks like he can put on a ton of weight to me. Um, if people are thinking he's lightweight, that's okay. I mean, he was... He was going up against some pretty good defensive ends and, and handling himself really, really well. I mean, he was going up against, uh, I do remember, um, God, I don't remember the, the player he was going with in the one-on-ones uh, earlier in the week. But, you know, uh, Team Akai had some pretty good guys. I know uh, Maciel Afayese, who's going to Oregon, was a kid. I think he had a sack in the actual game. But in the one-on-ones earlier in the week, he handled him with ease. Um, so, I, you know, I don't know if you, you can't make any grand pronouncements based on that stuff, Kim, but I'd say, you know, he was legitimate six, five, six, six, him and Mark Redmond are very comparable in terms of height. And then I'd say Rosengarten was probably 20 to 30 pounds heavier. So if, 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 if Redmond was like 240, 245, I'd say Rosengarten was legitimately probably 270. So I mean I you know if 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 they can get him to 290 295 by the time they actually need him to play uh whether it's you know I mean could he play this fall maybe but but let's say worst case let's say that he plays in 2021 there's no reason he can't play at 295 close to 300 pounds any other UW players of interest that we need to talk about Chris well, I mean, obviously we talked to Mickey Pay. He's the only other guy I would say that, that obviously, because all those other guys are pretty much signed. I mean, there are some uncommitted kids in that game, but nobody that, that, that Washington is really hot and heavy on, at least that we're aware of. And, and when Scott talked about some of the uncommitted kids, um, I mean, Jack Yerry was in the game earlier. He had to leave to go back for a personal issue uh, back to Southern California. It wasn't a big deal. I think it was. I think it had to do with taking tests or something school. like that. It wasn't. It was just a school thing. But um, I, I, I think he's still scheduled to visit on the thirty first. Is that right, Scott? Uh, Jack Yerry? Yeah. Uh, uh, n- no, he's already been here. He took his official visit. Oh, that's right. Already. I forgot. I keep for some reason no, I keep remembering th- that he's taking a visit. Th- this coming weekend is the big visit weekend. There might be one or two stragglers that have to visit that final weekend of the month, or I guess the 31st, first, second, whatever it is. And, uh, but no, I mean, other than the two official, the three official visitors this weekend that we're aware of, that's going to be it. Right. So that's, so that's my mistake. I, for some, I made the same mistake when I was talking to him when I was in Hawaii too. For some reason, I, had it on the brain that, that he was still he still needed to visit, but he did announce his final three at the game as uh, Arizona State, Washington, and USC. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens now. I don't know if you guys saw, but USC got one of their tight ends back who went to Illinois uh, in Mater Bay. Bay. He he's coming back to USC, so I I really don't know what that 
means for for a guy like Jack Gary, especially when it looks like Graham Harrell is going to stay at USC. They're going to run air raid. Now they just added a guy who was a tight end before coming back. So again, very confusing. I'm not sure if that's going to that would add more confusion to the mix if I was Jack Gary, but I'm not him. Um, <laughs> so. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Scott, uh, Washington State named their head coach. Uh, Nick Rolovich from Hawaii was at Nevada for a while under who was the coach running the the pistol down there? Uh, June Jones? No, no, down at Nevada. The guy oh, down that, in Nevada. Um, oh, man, now you oh, just totally. Chris Chris Alt? Yeah, yeah Chris, Chris Alt. But uh, Nick Rolovich rolling into Pullman, rolling into Washington. Sunday puts out on his Twitter page who wants to join him for a beer. Sounds like 30, 40 people join him for a beer. And uh, looks like he's going to make a little bit more of a priority the state of Washington than Mike Leach ever did. Is that going to impact Washington at all with the new coach who's going to focus in state? I don't want to say it won't impact them at all because, I mean, you just never know. I mean, it might just make Washington be a little more diligent with their in-state recruiting than maybe they had to be under when Mike Leach was over there, but... I don't think it impacts Washington. If Washington wants a kid in state and they're going to go head to head against uh, Washington State, I don't see Washington losing any kids except for maybe a Spokane kid. He's still a kid, yeah. Yeah, or or you know maybe someone over in the the you know that area. But I mean, for the most part, Washington is going to get anybody they want in state when it comes to going head to head against Washington State. So um, Washington really needs to be worried about Oregon and they need to be worried about schools like uh, Michigan and Ohio state and Oklahoma who are starting to come into this state a little bit more. Yeah. And Chris, I keep on maintaining, you know, with the mess at USC, when USC rises back up and it will happen with their next coach, I still think it will impact Oregon more so than any other school in the conference. Well, I don't know. I mean, you laid out earlier pretty well, I would say, how they've become a lot more of a national brand with, with the power of Nike behind them. So if they can't get a guy in Southern California, maybe they go back to Florida with, with Mario Cristobal's ties there. Um, you know, I was kind of thinking when you were talking about it, I was kind of thinking, yeah, it feels like, you know, the kind of the Big Ten equivalent to what Oregon's able to do right now is kind of what Ohio State and Michigan have been able to do for years in terms of really recruiting well outside of their footprint, and they can pretty much go to coast to coast. Whereas maybe Washington feels a little bit more like they're in the kind of the Penn State mold where they, they really look at Pennsylvania and focus on that. And yeah, they can go to California and maybe get a guy a year or go to Florida or get a guy a year. Maybe stretch out to the East Coast and get a guy or two from a Jersey or New York. But it, it feels like that Washington and Penn State are kind of kindred spirits in that regard because they don't they can't historically literally go anywhere in the country and just get who they want, but they're going to fight for them. And occasionally they might just pull a rabbit out of their hat a little bit, but you know, Oregon, you know, to be honest with you, I think if USC gets their act back together, I think everyone suffers, 
you know, which is which is historically what it's always been. I mean, it's always been USC and UCLA always get the five star guys in LA, regardless of whether they're up or down. And the fact that they haven't been able to do that recently, you know, that that's huge for a team like Oregon and and to a lesser extent Washington, because that 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 just doesn't ever really ever you know happen. And so for for the time being, the teams like Washington and Oregon really have to take advantage of that of that drop off because it's only going to be a matter of time when when normal service is resumed. Chris, wrap it up. Anything uh, we need? Any loose ends from the Polynesian Bowl being over Hawaii? We need to wrap up. Sure. Yeah, you mentioned um, that there were also some 2021 guys that we were able to talk to, and I was able to talk to a bunch of them. Uh, some of the top guys, including the, the the two or three guys that Washington's really really focused on. There's two guys that they have offered already: uh, Winden Hohuhuli, who is a, a linebacker from Mililani. It's about six three two twenty. Has offers from you know obviously Washington, but he's got Arizona, Arizona State, UH, Nebraska, Oregon, USC, Utah. So it was good really talking to him. Got a great perspective on uh, kind of what his situation is over there. And then uh, the other kid that they've offered for sure is a lineman from Kamehameha named uh, Kuapehopa, and he's six three two ninety five. Really, really put together kid. Looked great on the hoof. Um, he's got offers from ASU, UH, Nevada, Washington, Fresno State. So his recruiting is just starting to take off a little bit. I'd expect more interest because there's teams like Nebraska, Wisconsin, Cal. They're on the periphery for him. And then uh, also talked to a really interesting kid who had a, a brother playing in the poly game, a kid by the name of Titus Mokiao Atamala. And he's got a great story. He's already committed for the Polynesian Bowl next year. And he's getting a lot of interest. He's got a ton of offers from schools like Michigan, Notre Dame, uh, you know, Wisconsin, Nebraska, Cal. Um, but USC is kind of his uh, uh, dream school. Well, not, I don't know if a dream school, but he's interested in them as well. He's an interesting, interesting athlete, a really quick, fast, wide receiver, but he's still like 6'1". So uh, he's a guy that I think Washington fans should wonder if, if, if they're going to try to get in the game with him. And then the last guy I would uh, mention is another Mililani kid, a DB by the name of uh, Fatuvalu Iosefa. His brother is Jordan Iosefa, uh, who's already playing in the Pac-12. He's got uh, another brother who uh, played uh, football in college. So it's a, a full-on college football family. And he's got offers already from BYU, Nebraska, Utah State, but he's getting interest from Washington State, Oregon State. I expect Washington to get in the mix as well. Peter, uh, one more, Peter Manuma uh, from Campbell on, in Eva Beach, which is just kind of on the west side past Capolet. He's another DB, a good-sized DB, six foot, about 175. Has only one offer from, uh, from UH, but is definitely getting some interest from schools like Washington, BYU, Penn State, Washington State. So uh, those are some guys that, that uh, Washington fans should be on the lookout for. They didn't take anybody from the islands for the 2020 class, but it looks like they're going to they're gonna go back there and try to hit, uh, hit the islands, maybe get one or two kids for 2021. Scott, any loose ends we need to tie up? Not a lot. I think you're probably going to see another quote-unquote junior day here. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if it's like the weekend before uh, – Spring ball begins, which we found out is March 30th, I believe, is the kickoff of spring football this year. 
Um, and it's the first day of the quarter. Yeah, first day of the quarter, and I'm pretty sure I saw that it was March 30th. Um, and you know, honestly, we'll we'll kind of tie everything up this weekend. I think uh, you have a very good shot at Washington getting you know six to ten um, walk our walk on guys uh, from in this class, and they're they're really talented kids. So keep an eye out for that. We're gonna have a lot of uh, reports over the weekend, especially on Sunday from the from the visits and the official visits, and uh, just see how things go. Hey guys, real really quick, Scott. I was curious because you you were obviously there. You saw Jimmy Lake do his halftime speech at, at Alaska Airlines Arena. You saw how everyone was fired up. We saw the results of the Junior Day and what have you. Were you still a little surprised that they didn't try to push for maybe a commitment, or maybe they did, but just it didn't get one? From ever, I talked to all of the guys that that. Well, I shouldn't say all of them, but I talked to almost everybody or talked to someone close to them that was there, and Washington didn't push on any anybody. They didn't they didn't lean on anyone. They didn't do any of that stuff. Um, I think that Jimmy Lake is going to be a lot more um, aggressive in in getting guys to commit, and and then Chris Peterson was who basically was willing to just let them kind of take their time and do what they wanted to do. I think Jimmy Lake will get a little bit more aggressive, but as far as this just being their first chance to really kind of show where the program is headed and everything and and that not a lot is going to change on the program front but it will change on the aggressiveness and everything like that i think that was really what uh this past weekend was all about and i i said it in the blog guys like a mecca Egbuka and jt Tumalau who have been on campus i don't know over 20 times in their you know in just the past couple of years uh, for games, for for uh, for unofficial visits, for just coming checking out practice, whatever it is, Washington isn't going to move the needle for them because they've already seen what the campus offers, what the school offers, and what the coaches are like. So really, it's going to be about getting those guys all together and saying, "Hey, this is the group that you could be playing with. Let's get all you guys together and and get this done." And I think that's really what the focus was for this past weekend was just showing those guys, hey, this these are the guys that you guys want to play with, and yeah. we want to build this from the out from the inside out, and uh, the in-state guys are our priority. And I think that message really got through to a lot of these guys. The question that I have though is is based on all of that, and that makes total sense. I'm wondering when you say you know Jimmy Lake's going to be more aggressive. I agree 100. percent I totally get that feel. I think everyone kind of gets that feel. How is that going to be reflected in the number of offers and maybe how quickly these offers get out? I mean, do you think it's going to be like 10 percent more, like maybe an extra 10 to 15 guys get offered a, a cycle, or do you think they're going to they're not going to go full on Oregon nuts? They're, they're not going to offer. They're, they're not going to offer 350 or 400 guys. Right. That's what, just what, never going to happen. I could see twice as many offers. Washington offered about. 80 to 90, I think, in this past class, and I could see 150. Yeah, and and see, I totally disagree, you know, and we'll have to see how it plays out, but I think when Jimmy Lake is talking about being more aggressive, I think he's talking about what you're seeing on Twitter more out there. I I, I don't think there's going to be as much change as a lot of people think. I think people are taking the word aggressive and taking it further than what's going to be intended. Jimmy said he knows the secret sauce. He's seen the secret sauce. I don't see a lot of change. Maybe some of you do. I just don't see it. Well, I think I think there's going to be some change. I don't think there's any question there's going to be some change. I agree with the aggressiveness. 
I, I don't know if that would be double the number of scholarships, just because I, I think they still have to think about the perimeter parameters of Built for Life and putting those kids in a position to succeed academically. We saw it with Quad A Green on basketball. you got to be very careful about the situations that you're putting these kids in to, to, to have success academically. And so I think they, they still are going to have that as their baseline first, but it still wouldn't surprise me if they offered maybe 20 to 30 more kids than they would have under Chris Peterson, for instance. And I will add, by the way, too, and I don't know if you guys thought about this or understood or knew about it, but one of the recruiting assistants, one of the recruiting interns on staff, and he has been for the last year or so, Chris's son, Sam. Sam Peterson is recruiting for Washington right now. Yeah. So I, I thought that was kind of interesting, too, and I noted that. Hey, guys, we got to wrap this up, but basketball uh, game on uh, Thursday with Utah, 5 o'clock tip-off time, Seattle time, and then Saturday, I believe it's a 6 o'clock uh, tip-off against Colorado. So for all of us at Dogman.com, I'm Kim Grinolds with Chris Fetter, Scott Eklund. Go dogs, Go dogs, as Mike Hopkins would say. <laughs>